still got me on there. <laughs> I'm gonna keep doing it till they say, you gotta get off here. Talking all that Jesus and marriage and love and trying to change the world and change society and make marriage a safer place for children to grow up. You better get out of here. They ain't cut me off yet, so I'm still doing what I do. My thug nizzle. <laughs> I ain't said that in a long time. Listen, man, I want to talk to y'all today about uh, about your marriage, obviously, but I can't say that this is a new topic, to be honest. You know, speaking of topics, I was thinking about um, like the stuff that I cover and almost almost every week. It seems like I have a different topic. But really, it's like the same few topics over and over with just a different title because, like, all of these issues are connected. And if you address one thing, you likely will address two or three things. Like, you know, when I did the, the episode on personal development, what I'm sharing today can be, it could have, if you, if you had been, if you, if you digested that, and implemented what I said, then today is just going to be a refresh. You'll be like, you'll be like, oh yeah, I already know that, or I'm already doing that. Um, and so many other, you know, episodes that I've done, I can't remember them all, but I'm just saying. Uh, but today, uh, you know, I want to talk about um, the 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 way to really do marriage work, right? The way you the the way to really change your marriage is not by is not by uh trying to change your spouse which is what the overwhelming majority of people that is what they do try to change try to change your spouse the way to a great marriage is by becoming a great spouse not wishing you had one and that is because the bulk of marriage work is individual work. And if you think about it just for a second, that just it makes sense. Yeah, not only because sometimes the truth doesn't make sense. Like it the truth sometimes does not make sense. Like Jesus walking on the water. It's true, but it doesn't make it doesn't make sense, right? But this is true and it makes sense. The bulk of marriage work is individual work. See, we're relational creatures. Marriage is a relationship. It's the most significant human relationship we can have. So if we're relational creatures, marriage is a significant relationship with someone else. How can I do that well if my relationship with me is not well? So I got to get the relationship with me right first. As a matter of fact, I have to get the relationship with me right before I can get the relationship with God right. I shouldn't say before uh, because God can do anything, right? So it doesn't have to go in that order. But typically, if your view of you isn't correct, you're not going to see God correctly. If you have childhood injuries, you have childhood trauma, and you have um, what we call a fractured self, more than likely you will not see God for who he truly is. 
You will not see God the way the Bible talks about him. You won't see him as loving and kind. You'll see him however you experienced your parents. And so if your parents abandoned you, or if your parents were authoritative, or if your parents were neglectful, you're going to put that on God. I remember, I remember there was a time, and it may still creep up every now and then, actually, but there was a time when I believed, you know, like, like the Bible says, uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I remember there was a time where I had faith in God, but what I didn't have was belief about me. So, so it was like, Lord, I know you can do the miraculous. I just don't know if you'll do the miraculous for me. That's a self-image issue. And it's a pride issue because when I say that or when you say that, when anyone says that, you, in essence, are elevating yourself above the power of God. And what you're saying is as loving, as perfect, as all knowledge as God is, you're just too far for him to reach you. That's an insult to God. So. Um, be careful with that, but but when you have certain childhood beliefs and when you see yourself a certain way, that's where you'll be. I think that in and of itself is enough, in my opinion, to want to change. But guess what folk ain't going to do? Change. I don't know. I Man, listen, I don't know why. I've been trying to figure it out. Listen, I've been trying to figure it out, but I don't know why. There are people who will put their hand on a hot stove and scream about how bad it hurts and not take their hand off the hot stove. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand how you can say, I want to be a great husband, but you don't do anything different than what you've always done and expect, I guess, good husband just to show up on you. I don't understand how you, I got, I have a really close friend. Uh, and this, this actually, my podcast was going to be about my friend and my mom, but I, I changed, I changed it because it wasn't, it was, I recorded it, but I was like, eh, I don't think so. But anyway, I have a friend who she's a wife by title where was I? Where was I? I just talked about this somewhere. Uh, it may have been online. I was making a comment somewhere. Oh, oh, I know. It was oh, it was yesterday when I was reading the Bible. Hold on. Let me let me see if I can. I completely forgot about that. Let me find it while I'm saying this. But I have a friend who, uh, and we've been friends for a while. We've been friends for man at least at least twelve years, right? And over that time, she's probably been married about about 10 or 8, somewhere up in there. But, and I've told her this, she has the, the title of a wife, but she does not function as a wife at all. But she don't know that. And I was saying how, uh, I, was saying, I was saying yesterday that people think, that when they get the title of wife, then all of the benefits that go with having a wife comes with that. I know what it was. It was yesterday I was reading Proverbs. It was Proverbs since yesterday was the 18th. Let me see. 
Proverbs 18, and I'm sure I highlighted it. Give me a second. I'm going to find it for you because I made a note about it. Here's what it says. This is Proverbs 18.22. Why didn't I know that? My bad. Anyway, listen, the man who finds a wife, this is the New Living Transver- tra- Translation. I, I know you guys are. So, you know, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Well, this is the same scripture, but it's in New Living. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. Now, this thing says the man who finds a wife, receive, uh, the, the one who finds a wife finds a treasure. Right? Here's, here's what my note said yesterday. It's not that deep. But uh, this can't mean the title of marriage or it can't mean you know he that finds a wife can't mean simply getting married why because not every woman who is married is a wife in reality translation not every woman who is a wife is a treasure and i'm convinced that the overwhelming majority of women who are married are not treasures Not because they can't be, not because treasure is not in them, but because they have not done the work to become the wife that they signed up to be. Yeah, and the same is true for men. I just don't have a scripture for men like that, you know, so but but, you know, I was talking about my friend. And so, you know, I've I've told her many a times. How many? Well, forget what I told her many a time. Let me tell you what I asked her the other day. This is what I asked her the other day. As your, if you, because she believes I'm a great, I'm a great therapist. She believes, like she, she loves all my YouTube content. This is crazy. She loves all my YouTube content. And I've told her these things. I'm about to tell you all my YouTube content and everything. And so I said, if you think I'm so amazing, if you think I know what I'm talking about, when I'm talking about marriage stuff, If you believe what you say, tell me how many marriage books that I've suggested to you, you've read. Crickets. I said, okay. Since I've known you, how many books on being a wife? Or being a wife to the kind of husband that you have. How many how many of those books have you read? I don't know. That's pretty close to crickets. And then I said, okay, how many books since I've known you have you read, period? She's like, oh, it's too many to count. Do you, do you see the problem? It's not that you can't read. It's not that you are averse to reading. But the thing that you say you want the most, because she is adamant, I want to be a good wife and I want to be married. And what I told her the other day, I said, I think you're lying because your behavior is betraying your words. Because you're saying one thing and you are doing something completely different, like completely. And so I believe she and people like her, men and women, Don't take serious enough the things that has happened to them in childhood. And so they bring that stuff with them, but they don't. And the crazy thing is she knows she's been through trauma. 
right? I'm using her because she is a really good example of 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 the pe- the people who come to my office. Like she's she she's not everybody. She's definitely not everybody, but she's a good portion of the men and women that come in my office who know they jacked up. But thing is, I don't think they know how much. But they know they're jacked up by their own admission. And they are not, they don't aggressively attack that to have the the thing that they say they want. But when you look at their life, because I've done it, and pretty much everyone that I've seen with this issue, when I examine their life, they go hard for something. And my thing is, Go hard for what you have for what you're gonna go hard for. That's that's I'm not, I don't have an issue with that. But stop lying and saying you want a great marriage when you won't do the work to have one. Like just because you're fooling yourself, you're frustrating your spouse, right? And and you and you're starting to frustrate me. But I I can't say that I can say it on my podcast, right? Now this ain't gonna be. I was thinking the other day. I was watching Stephen A. on uh, Stephen A. Smith on his podcast, and you know on ESPN, you know he can be obnoxious. I think he does that on purpose, right? But I mean, he still has he he's he's tempered. He he can only go so far. But on his podcast, he's raw and real, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not going that way, but uh, I, I I try to be the same across wherever I am. Actually, in my in the therapy room on my podcast, on YouTube. I'm, I, I try to be the same. So anyway, I don't know where that came from. So I want to talk to you today about how to make your marriage better. The bulk of marriage work is individual work. I want you to fix your mirror. Actually, it's not the mirror I want you to fix. I want to fix your fear of looking in the mirror. So when you look in the mirror, you can see just how ugly your inner world is. But I'm not trying to show you how ugly your inner world is so you can cry and say, I'm so jacked up. That's not the point at all. No, the point is for you to look at it and say, oh, I need to do something about this immediately. That's the point. Why? Because number one, if you don't, you continue to suffer. But if that's not enough, the people who are connected to your life suffer, intimately connected. Those people suffer. Now, you say you love your husband. You say you love your wife. They need to see some signs. Love is an action word. You can't say you love me and you continue to harm me. You can't say you love me and you continue to neglect me. You can't say you love me and you continue to harm my spouse. So I want to I wanna point out some things to you guys. Um, some stuff I ran across. Uh, when was this? I, don't, I can't remember when it was. Not long ago. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, it's in a new book that I got on treating emotional uh, trauma and things like that. And so I, I posted on on 
on Facebook a couple of days ago. Looks like I'm forced or I'm being forced to become an inner child expert. And it's something that I've avoided. So when I first started, a lot of people don't know this. When I first started uh, as a therapist, I loved doing inner child work. And I was uh, I was so fascinated by it. I'm still fascinated by it, actually. Um, and I did it a little bit. Right. But then I met Dr. Patrick Wannis and he was so good at it. And and so I at that time, at that time, I had gotten to the place to where I could recognize, um, you know, childhood trauma and things like that. But I wasn't really good at treating it. Right. So it's like I can see how you're stuck. I can see why you think what you think. I can tell you the problem. But helping you fix it, that that was my challenge. So I kind of gave it up. Well, now it's coming back around. And I, I know way more now, you know, as far as how to help walk you through it and stuff. And so I'm like, man, it looks like I'm going to have to become an inner work, an inner child therapist uh, expert because I, I, I can't do marriage work without dealing with the individual. But what I also said on my post is, I tell you what. If I become an inner child, uh, inner child work expert, my fee, ooh, we man, it's it's it's. <laughs> listen, y'all, the Bible says a servant is worthy of his hire. Y'all gonna have to pay me because this stuff, this is not this is not, um, it's not easy work. I had a client just told me um just a little while ago, you know, she was like uh. I don't know how you do what you do. She was like, I, I like doing engineering. I like making, I like figuring out, you know, mechanical stuff and, you know, all kind of engineering stuff. But listening to folks' problems, I don't know how you do what you do. It's because I'm called to it, but it's not easy. Trust and believe it, it's not easy. And so, um, yeah, anyway. All right. So let me, let me I'm going to run through, I'm just going to go through uh, a couple of these things and uh, I'm going to just lay them out for you, let you digest them. And, you know, we, if, if you want to talk more about it, you can email me or call me or text me and we can talk about it. Uh, but you know what? Before I do that, let me say this. If you want to if, if you if you're listening to me and you want to do if you want to work with me, you want me to help you with your marriage or, or your, your inner child work, um, my go to you can go to. Actually, I think I'll just put the link in the in the description because well, I can still spell it out. C Brantley LMFT dot A S dot M E. That'll take you to my consultation calendar. So you can schedule a consultation and we can, you know, do some work. Consultation is only $35. Right? Consultation is 30 minutes, 30, uh, $35. That gives you a chance to meet me, see how I do work, and then from there we can decide how best to help you. Okay. Another another announcement I want to make is in two weeks, we're down to two weeks, I'm having a three-day workshop. It's called the Rules of Engagement Conflict Resolution Workshop. I'm going to be teaching for three days how to resolve conflict more effectively so that you can create connection. This is not one of those workshops where you just come and get random information and you leave like, man, I didn't get nothing out of that. 
No, you're going to actually learn some things in this particular workshop. Okay. So uh, I'll put the link for that in the description as well. All right. Okay. So let me run through these things. So here, let me give you some, some types of emotional neglect. Actually, first, let me read this to you. This was interesting to me. This was interesting. Check this out. The American Professional Society on the Abuse of Children defines psychological maltreatment as a repeated pattern of caregiver behavior or serious incident that transmits to the child that he or she is worthless, flawed, unloved, unwanted, endangered, or only of value in meeting others' needs. Wow, went, went right there. These attachment injuries harm children. How do they harm them? They harm children by, number one, undermining their development of an internal sense of psychological safety and security. That's important. Like, these injuries undermine their development. They can't, so, so when you see people who are always, like, they don't trust the world, that happened in childhood. And then the second thing, the second way it harms children is by impeding their cultivation of capacities essential to the su successful life functioning. And let me say that again. Uh, reading this sentence like I wrote it. <laughs> impeding their cultivation of capacities essential to successful life functioning, including emotional regulation, self-esteem, interpersonal skills, and self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency. In other words, it prevents you from developing these essential skills of life functioning. So you don't know how to emotionally regulate. Emotionally regulate. You can't regulate your emotions. Your self-esteem is shot. You don't have interpersonal skills. Man, listen, you need to stop thinking that uh, the reason you mess up the way you do when you do is just because that's just who you are. Like, you don't have, like like me, I know why I don't have a lot of quality male friendships. It's due to past interpersonal skills. I, I didn't say, well, that's just how I am. That's just how my life has worked out. No, no, no. Those are the choices you've made because of skills you didn't have, Right? There was a time when I could not regulate my emotions. And from time to time, I still struggle. Why? Because I got emotional trauma. I have childhood trauma that I've had to overcome and work on and work on and work on. And guess what? Keep working on. But why do I do that? I am so glad you asked. This is why I do it. Proverbs 16, 26 says this. It is good for workers to have an appetite. An empty stomach drives them on. You didn't get it? Okay, I'll explain it. Well, my interpretation for this application. So, it's good for workers to have an appetite, meaning it's good for you to be hungry. Because an empty stomach drives you on. I'm hungry to be a better me. For several reasons. First of all, because God told, God, God told me to. The Bible tells me that God is anti-average, which means we need to be always growing. 
So first, to please God. But I want to be the best me for me. I want to enjoy my life on the planet as much as possible. Jesus said, in this life, you will, not might, not maybe, but will have tribulation. But be of good courage. I have overcome the world. The parts, uh, like every day is not is not tribulation, but I want to I want to enjoy the days that's not like as much as I can, because here's the thing. The Bible also, I believe, promotes that you can have a good life. You can enjoy your life. You can have joy in your life, even while you go through tribulations. I promise I'm not going to preach. But if I was going to, that's where I would start right there. That's that's right there. That's that's where I would start. Right. So. Um, again, you, you want to get to the place where where um, you can enjoy life. You're going to have to do some inner work. You're not going to be able to just. You can't, you know, and some people actually believe this. You cannot outgrow trauma. And some of you don't know that you you've experienced trauma. Some of you don't know you've been abused. Hopefully after this episode, you will, to be honest. But some of you don't know that you've been abused. Okay, so let me just let me run through this list. So uh, these are types of emotional neglect. And by neglect, we mean uh, abuse of warmth, support, and nurturance. Okay? So types of emotional neglect. Uh, Caregiver is not physically present, whether it's um, by, you know, they're forced to be physically absent due to work, military service, hospitalization, or incarceration. I meet so many people who they, all their life, their parents have been in prison. That is emotional neglect. I know you don't believe it. I want to believe it. Y'all, you know, it's so interesting to me. It's so interesting to me how people who are not an expert in a certain area, they're not skilled, they haven't studied. When the expert tells them something that doesn't make sense to them or hit their ears wrong or challenges them, in a certain way, they reject it. I'm not saying I don't understand it because I'm a human being. I've done that. But it's interesting because it's for your benefit. My thing is this. If you t- if, if if a doctor, if, if a doctor that I trust. Now, maybe you don't trust me. That's a different thing. OK. But if there was a doctor that I trust and he told me that Q-tips cause cancer in the ears, I'm not going to just. Man, he don't know what he's talking about. And keep using the Q-tip. I'm at least going to research it. I'm at least going to ask, like, something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't going to just keep doing what I want to do because I ain't studied that. And cancer is serious enough for me to not play with. Like, the other day, I was on YouTube. That's why you got to stay offline because it'll mess you up. I was on, I was on, uh, I think, TikTok. And this doctor, and, you know, I did not vet him. I don't even know if he was a real doctor. I, I presume so. Anyway, he was dressed in a doctor's uniform, and, and his name was Dr. something. And he was talking about bacon, and he talked about um, basically how bacon has these nitrates and is tied to, I want to say, colon cancer. That's all he had to say for me. Listen, if you know me, you know I loves me some bacon. 
I'm sorry. If you know me, you know that I used to love bacon. Y'all not even praying with me. Like, I don't, I'm not eating that. And my wife keep buying it. I'm like, keep buying it if you want to. I'm not eating that. The doctor said it causes cancer. And that's serious enough for me to not play with it because I'm not an expert in that area. I'm not playing with cancer. You can do what you want. You can call me scary. You can call me faithless. I call it wisdom. (laughs) That's what I call it. So anyway, let me get back to my list. Um, where was I? I was at, I was at uh, caregivers not physically, physically present. Another way they cannot be physically present is choosing to be absent due to substance or alcohol abuse or prioritizing another family or partner. You know, they, like your dad may be single or your mom may be single and they're prioritizing that relationship and so they're absent. That's emotional neglect. Uh, here's another one. Caregiver is emotionally absent due to dissociation, severe depression, chronic mental illness, or developmental delays. That was my childhood. Here's another one. Uh, Extreme family stress due to poverty, lack of social supports, or dangerous neighborhood interferes with caregivers' emotional availability. Mm -hmm. Caregiver ignores child's bids for attention or shuns the child. How many of y'all that happened to that happens more times than you think. And here's the thing. As an adult, you may not recognize all the times when that's happened to you. But as a child, it's registered. You ain't forgot. You just can't bring it up in your memory. But I'm, it's in there. Right? Here's another one. Caregiver abandons the child for periods of time with no indication of when he or she will return or impose it, imposes extended periods of isolation from others. Those are the those are the emotional um, emotional neglect things. Now, what about what about emotional abuse? I'm gonna, I'm going to show you the types of emotional abuse. Types of emotional abuse. Okay. Sorry, I had to check the notification. I normally don't do that online, but it's pretty serious. Anyway, why I didn't even tell you that? I don't know, because I'm me. Hey, let's go. <laughs> Types of emotional abuse. Caregiver calls the child derogatory names or ridicules or belittles the child. Put a, put, I want you to, I want you to, uh, you're going to run out of fingers though. I was going to say put up a finger for every one of these uh that you can identify with caregiver displays an ongoing pattern of negativity or hostility towards the child. Caregiver blames the child for family problems or abuse of the child. Like your parents blame you for your abuse. I blame you. I blame you is not a word. I blame you for your abuse. I blame abuse. That's how that you see how the brain works. (laughs) Caregiver blames the child for family problems. It's not your fault, but it is your problem, right? Um, Caregiver makes excessive or inappropriate and or inappropriate demands of the child. Like, like, you know, forcing the child to carry your emotional weight, your, your adult baggage, right? That's not, that's not cool. Uh, Caregiver uses fear 
intimidation, humiliation, threats, or bullying to discipline the child or pressures the child to keep secrets. By the way, we're, we're under the emotional abuse category right now, right? We're not under neglect. We're under abuse. Caregiver demonstrates a pattern of boundary violations, excessive monitoring, or over-control that is inappropriate considering the child's age. Man. Uh, here's another one. Child is expected to assume in an inappropriate, and I'm sorry, the child is expected to assume an inappropriate level of responsibility or is placed in a role reversal, such as frequently taking care of younger siblings or attending to the emotional needs of the caregiver. That's abusive. Mm. Uh, let's see. The caregiver does not allow the child to engage in age-appropriate socialization. You got to stay in the house. Or if you go outside, you got to stay in the front yard while the kids are going down the street riding their big wheels. You can't do that. That's abusive. You didn't think that was abusive, did you? When your mama said you can't go nowhere. It's abusive. Uh, let's see. Child is exposed to relationship conflict between caregivers. That's abusive. Fighting in front of your children, abusive. You are abusing them. No, we're not going to come pick you up, but we should because it's child abuse. Here's the last one. Child is exposed to extreme or unpredictable caregiver behaviors due to the caregiver's mental illness, substance or alcohol abuse, and or violent, aggressive behavior. All of those emotional abuse. And so as you as you as you listen to those did something trigger you? Did something stand out for you? Did something stand out at, you know like if you're listening and your spouse is not listening but you know their story their life did something register in what I said that you know is true for them? It's not your it's not your responsibility to heal them, fix them, or throw this in their face, okay? So I was just asking if you if you heard that. By the way, let me say this. Kind of um, off topic, but same topic. It is disrespectful for you to tell your partner, or, or let me say it this way. It's disrespectful for you to, to explain your partner's behavior by telling them you just like your daddy in so many words. So all variations of that, you know, you act this way because your mama didn't such and such. Or you act this way because in childhood you this. All of that's disrespectful. Don't do that. I'm telling you, listen, that's not going to go well for you. You can be 1,000% right. But you saying that will not help your marriage. It's not your place to say you don't have to. So so if you don't like the way your husband talks to you, just tell him, I don't like the way you talk to me. You don't have to say that's how your dad talked to your mom and you're not going to talk to me like that. You just escalated it. Forget the why he does it. Look, I don't care why you got a habit of when you get in the house yelling at me. Stop yelling. I don't care if you learned it from the crackhead on the corner. 
I don't care if you learned it from a really bad episode of Cosby Show. I don't care if you learned it from HBO when you were a kid or you just learned it yesterday. Stop. Don't do it with me. Right? Stop. Stop trying to, you know, you don't have to validate why it's a bother for you. It's a bother. Just tell them, hey, I don't like it when you chew gum around me. And then they got to make a choice whether or not they're going to chew gum around you. By the way, if you don't want your partner chewing gum around you, can't nobody take that from you. They can say it's crazy all they want. But guess whose standard it is? Yours. If you want to hold on to it, hold on to it. Now you deal with the consequences of it, good or bad, but it's yours. You have a right to feel how you want to feel. You have a, well, you have a right to feel how you feel. You have a right to think what you think. And you have a right to not like what you not like, what you don't like. So if you don't want your partner chewing gum around you, and I know that's like I'm making that up. Hopefully that's not somebody, but it could be. And if it is, what I'm telling you is it doesn't matter how stupid, ignorant, whatever somebody else thinks it is. If it's if it bothers you, it bothers you. You decide how you want to handle it. Why? Because God gave you that freedom. Okay. Now, I would advise you to get some help because I think it's, you know, I don't, I think it's an unhealthy um, expectation because it, I think it comes from, you know, something. But, but, you know, my point is don't let nobody tell you that what you think and feel is not right and you stop telling your partner. The reason you're doing this is because of such and such. I don't care why. Just treat me better. Okay. And that's because I'm, as my wife would say, what is that on? That's on Mary Had a Little Lamb. Absolutely. I hope this was helpful for y'all, man, because listen, if, if you don't get you right, I can, I can guarantee you your marriage is going to suffer. It, it's just, it's just going, it is. And like, you got to get to the place to where you take full responsibility for your life. Listen, listen, hold on. Listen, if you love your spouse the way you say you do, wouldn't the most loving thing for you to do would be to give them the very best version of you as soon as you can. I learned that from Dr. Byron Golden. Like if you got a million dollars, are you rich? It depends. If you, if you, if, if you made a million dollars over 20 years, you probably under the poverty line. But if you made a million dollars in a day, you're rich because rich requires speed. Now you ain't super rich, but you're rich. If you, if you made a million dollars in a day, that's, that's rich in the same way. If like we don't have unlimited time on the planet, stop dragging your feet. OK, like make it your business to be diligent about doing the work that you need to do to have the marriage that you say you want to have. And even watch this. If you don't want to do it for the marriage, do it for you. Because you're the one living your life. And do it for your children. Because they suffer. 
even watch this, even if your children are grown, they can still suffer from your lack of personal development. So back to where I was. I hope this was helpful for you. I hope it was enlightening. And man, I hope it I hope it makes you look in the mirror and make you say, hey, I, I think I want to address this. I want to change. I don't want to be this way. If you are bound by your childhood, then I know you haven't given it to God. How do I know? How do I become so wise? Where did I get this revelation from? The Bible. It says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. And if you are still bound, that means you haven't gone to God to get free. And part of that freedom is you doing this inner work because a lot of God's miracles are not instant miracles. They happen over time. All right. All right. Y'all take care.